0: Welcome to the Performax Podcast. I'm Aaron, your host, and I'm here today with Derek, our Vice President. Hey, Aaron, how are you doing? Good. Not too bad. Um, same old, same old. But uh, we haven't done a podcast like this, I think, in a good couple months. Um, so yeah, I'm just happy to get back on and kind of give an update with uh, where we're at and then obviously talk about our topic for today.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on recently with us and around the industry, so definitely excited to uh, get back on it.
0: Um so for anybody that has been following the brand, in the last few months, we, we've launched a few uh, new products and new flavors. We launched our new Iso Waymax, which is our 100% way isolate uh, that came out in four different flavors, uh, chocolate milk, uh, cinnamon crunch, mocha latte, and vanilla cake batter. Uh, we launched a new flavor of Hypermax uh, Pink Star Blast, which is kind of like a Pink starburst slash Skittles flavor. I think that's actually our, our best uh, tasting Hypermax thus far. And um, which I'm most excited about, we launched the new Vasomax. Um, that is a brand new formula with s 7, 5 gram, uh, grams of glycer size. Um, the new AlphaZone, KanaEase, Huprosine, pretty built-out formula. So um, all three of those are pretty exciting, uh, in my opinion, protein, you know, a pump formula and then the new flavors of a uh,
1: I was super excited about the protein, and I know it was a long time coming, but we really perfected the flavor. So it was definitely worth the wait. And same on Vasomax. It's obviously, as you listed, a really stacked product. So I know anybody who hasn't tried it needs to try it because it's just, it is that good.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just different. I think it's just done in a completely different manner than your average pump formula on the market. So very stackable, you know, with Hyper, really any pre workout. Um, And then, of course, you get those added nootropics, and that makes it quite a bit different than your just, you know, normal pump formula where you get a great pump, but you might not actually feel anything uh, mentally. Uh, With Vasomax, you definitely get a mental effect from it for sure. Absolutely. So that was a quick kind of rundown of what's happened in the last uh, few months uh, with the brand. Um, Another really exciting uh, thing for us is we've partnered with Bodybuilding.com. So that's a huge move uh, to get the brand out in front of, you know, more eyes and kind of bring Performax to where, you know, I I think it should be, which is more of a mainstream brand. Um, So we're obviously really excited about that. Um, We started out with three products, our E-Amino Max, which is our essential amino acid formula, uh, Slim Max, which is our GDA, our glucose disposal agent, and our protein. And then we'll be working on getting Vasomax um, Alpha Max and a few other products on there over the few months. And then, you know, with time, we'll get the entire line, um, added. So that's obviously really big for, for us as the company, you know, making that step because I've followed bodybuilding.com for a long time. And then for the consumer too, just having access to, uh, to the brand through such a, uh, a large outlet.
1: Yeah. I was really excited when we pulled this one off because bodybuilding.com has been the king of, you know, shopping in this industry for a long time. I remember having like a body space. I was deep into it back then. And uh, it's definitely going to reach a lot more customer base than we could have personally so far as a brand. So I think the brand will get into a lot more people's eyes. And that's just, I think that's good for the consumers finally getting to see these new brands because bodybuilding is really, Expanded past the optimum Nutritions and the BSMs. They've really taken an interest in the up and coming brands. And obviously, we fit that mold for them really well.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that um, is kind of really cool about bodybuilding.com is that they're basically keeping up with the times. Um, you know, things are, are changing really fast. There's a lot of new brands in the industry. The barrier to entry is a lot lower, um, and there's a lot of up and comers. And, um, they were obviously built on legacy brands and, you know, as these up and comers start to steal some of that market share to, for bodybuilding.com to stay relevant, they need to, you know, bring in these, these new innovative, different, uh, formulas that, um, these newer brands are putting out and obviously we're one of them. So it's going to be interesting to see how it impacts, um, bodybuilding.com's growth. Obviously they took quite, quite a hit uh with Amazon and everything over the last five years, but I definitely could see this, you know, bringing them back up to the top because like like you said, you know, at one point they were the king for sports nutrition um, you know, for e-com. And uh now there's a lot more competition, especially with brands doing a lot more direct to consumer, Amazon, you know, other outlets like that. Um it'll be interesting to see if this brings bodybuilding.com back up to the forefront uh for online sales of sports nutrition products.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm curious, you deal with bodybuilding.com uh, more than I got to. Are there like regulations similar to Amazon's? Like are they gonna be carrying similar type style products or is bodybuilding gonna allow more or less than might be on Amazon in general?
0: Uh bodybuilding.com is a lot more hands-on. So they yeah. they they they're they're gonna know what you know might require a new dietary ingredient notification. Or, you know, um, what might be compliant or not compliant. Whereas Amazon is far more just on kind of like what's on the books now. So mm. if, if um, hoarding, for example, right, got added to uh, the um, FDA's advisory list, boom, Amazon says, okay, that's not a, a legal dietary ingredient. But there's no research into it. There's no understanding of, it from at least from my perspective, of what you know, why it wouldn't be or what would make it not. It's just once you get that up to a list, once um, there's some sort of, of rule down and even that advisory list isn't even saying that it's not a dietary ingredient. It's basically saying we don't think it is. But when you're as big as Amazon, you don't take that risk. Um, on the other hand, there's probably a whole bunch of other ingredients that are flying under the radar that are totally easy, you know, totally being sold on Amazon with no problem at all just because that ingredient hasn't made it on some sort of list yet. So in that sense, you know, bodybuilding.com would say, look, whether or not the FDA said anything about this ingredient, we know this would require a new dietary ingredient notification. Um, This isn't compliant. We're not going to carry it. Amazon will carry it up until the point that someone says, okay, you can't carry, you know, you can't have this ingredient and then, then, you know, Amazon will pull it. So it's just them being quite a bit more hands-on, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Well, both two trustworthy sources, obviously, looking to their end consumer, you know, as the priority and not taking anything in just for the sake of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Which actually kind of leads us right into the topic um, for today's podcast, which was the indictment for uh, ABH Pharma. Um, So, I mean, I guess I'll just kind of get your opinion on that entire situation. And then I can kind of chime in when, when, um, you know, when I have something to add. Yeah,
1: I mean, this was, uh, I don't know if shocking's the word. You know, our industry has like an up and down kind of feel about it with some people. And uh, I've always, well, I guess my personal experience has been up and down also. I've been with some brands that do the wrong thing. And that was why I left certain places um, with either mislabeling, misbranding certain dietary supplements, underdosing, stuff like that, quickly made changes from those. Um, but this was like a whole nother thing. Like this was the contract manufacturer doing it, uh, in, in some cases, the brands not knowing. And, uh, so that was kind of like over my head. Like I was just like, I don't, I almost didn't believe it, but they recalled a ton of products over a few years and it involved some of the bigger brands. Like it's, it's public knowledge. So like Nutrex was on there, but. It was only three lots. They hadn't returned. You know, They took care of business. But like, it was a big brand that was affected. And uh, I just, you know, that's why you got to do so. We have to do so much research, you know, yourself and myself trying to find these right partners to even make the products anymore because it's not necessarily the brand trying to get away with something. Sometimes I guess it is the manufacturer trying to, you know, save a dollar here or there. I know we've always done it the right way. Um, we have great relationships with our manufacturers. Uh, they are certified in every way needed. And, uh, I think Aaron, you can tell me if I'm wrong, you source some of our own ingredients to them. It's not even like they do it and we don't know where it's coming from. Like you source it for them in some cases. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Any of the like, um, innovative ingredients that are a bit different, we'll do, uh, the actual sourcing ourselves. We'll, um, identify that it it is the ingredient it's supposed to be. Um, and then we'll actually provide that to our contract manufacturer um, for most things, your common BCA citrulline and everything like that, um, where they should have a few metric tons, if not, you know, quite a bit more on hand. There's no reason for us to do that. But, um, you know, for example, we were one of the first companies to use um, the Kanaease before it had that name, and we were sourcing it directly from Afrogetics uh, out in South Africa. Um, now it's becoming a lot more common ingredient and a lot of, uh, companies are starting to add it into their, into their product. Um, but we had that in Nutropamax all the way back from when Nutropamax launched like four, five years ago, something like that. Um, so yeah, it just depends on if it's a, uh, if it's a, um, a common ingredient or something kind of individual to us. And then we'll kind of step in and make sure that, we're getting exactly what, what we would like to get and not just a generic um, powder. Because some, you know, you could even use a similar material, but if it's not extracted the same way um, for this, the constituents you're going for, then it's not really what, what you're looking for. So we do want to be hands-on when it comes to some of these innovative materials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And But I really think it seems like the
1: FDA is taking the right approach because now they're involving the Department of Justice. So people aren't just getting like, fines or we're going to take your product and that's the end of it. Like you can actually do jail time now. And that's kind of like, they just have to scare people
0: into doing the right thing, I guess. Yeah. exactly, but and that That's what I think is really interesting is in the last, you know, five or so years, you've seen the department of justice get involved quite a bit, which, you know, I've been in the industry or we've both been in the industry for 13 years. It's kind of like, um, you know, at least to me, little unprecedented that they're they're getting so involved and it's not just one thing. I mean, they've been involved in in a few different indictments over the last, you know, five years. Um so yeah, I think it's I think part of it is the the way that the industry seemed to have been regulated for a long time would be, you know, the FDA goes through some inspection, either finds you're using an ingredient they don't agree with, or doing a process um or lack thereof in terms of, you know, operating GMP and then you get a warning letter and then you fix it. Um, but there's ingredients now where they've sent out the warning letters to, you know, 10 different companies. And in the past, you know, every other company just kind of fell in line. They go, okay, well, those 10 got got a warning letter. must not be a dietary ingredient. Let's pull it immediately. Now you have companies where they're sending out warning letters and, you know, that company didn't get it and or they're... They don't believe that the ingredient is illegal and so they just keep selling it. And I mean, DMHA is one of those where the FDA sent out warning letters said you can't use DMHA. A good portion of the industry said, oh, well, that's not a, a legit dietary ingredient. We got to pull it. And then there's the outliers who said, well, it's not illegal. It's not It's not on any you know uh, book that it's banned. So I guess that's their way of justifying that they're going to keep selling it and a lot have. So... It seems like, you know, the way that it used to go, um, it's not really going that way anymore. And people are a little bit more brazen. And so now you have, you know, the Department of Justice coming in and trying to make a pretty big deal about this to like kind of like what you said, kind of hopefully scare some people straight um, and not kind of push the envelope as much. I mean, going back to that whole sending a warning letter, you know, getting getting your stuff squared away. I think ABH shot like five or six warning letters and still never fixed the issues. I mean, over years. Right. I
1: mean, it's been like since 2013, I think, or something crazy.
0: Yeah. And that's basically just kind of like, I don't know what the best way to say it would be, but like kind of like poking the beast, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like you just don't, you just don't care or believe that the FDA has enough resources to enforce anything against you. And, um, then some, something like this drops and now not only does it affect, you know, ABH, it affects 800 and some odd companies that were manufactured there. So um, it is interesting and I do think, I think this is a better way to go about um, regulating the industry. Going after each brand individually, I think it's very, very difficult. Also, because you can shut it, you shut it down or put on it, you know, shut that company down, start a new company, put on a different label. Uh, call yourself, you know, uh, a completely different brand um, and just kind of avoid the situation as a whole. And then there's constantly new brands popping up all the time. How can the FDA stay on top of that? What they can stay on top of is the contract manufacturers who are manufacturing for all these brands. Because if they kind of go to the root cause, which is, you know, who's actually making the product and get them in line by, by, you know, the end result would be all those brands that that manufacturer is manufactured for now have no option but to be compliant because that manufacturer is not going to screw around. So I actually do think it's a positive for the industry. And I think it's a more efficient way you know, for the FDA to regulate things with their lack of resource to go after the actual people making the product and not trying to go after individual brands one by one.
1: Yeah,
0: Absolutely. I mean, it almost seems like manufacturers are popping up
1: like brands pop up now. You know, I I would assume, and again, going back to you deal with the manufacturers more than I get to, you know, if a, if a manufacturer is even still providing like DMAA or DM, well, maybe DMHA even, I don't even, that's kind of still gray, but DMAA, for example, is that even really like a real manufacturer or like one that's trustworthy? Because they're carrying things that are clearly not allowed to be done anymore.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think like you said, that that's a pretty gray area. I think DMAA for sure. Like if a manufacturer is still using DMAA, you know, what what else are they willing to do, so to speak? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, DMHA, you know, they sent out the warning letters. It, the FDA clearly doesn't believe it to be a dietary ingredient. Um, you know, I know we know Jared responded and does believe it to be a dietary ingredient. And obviously, he's the one who fought for DMAA in the first place. So it, it is contested, I guess, by high tech uh, and they believe it is. Um, So that one's not nearly as crystal clear. Um, But yeah, if you have a manufacturer that's manufacturing SARMs, some of the old pro hormones, uh, DMAA, I mean, just from that perspective, I would be scared to have anything manufactured through them because what are they? You know, what else are they willing to do, and what other risks are they willing to take, and what other corners are they willing to cut? Um, and yeah, it's just you know, it's kind of a, a sad, I guess, truth to the industry. But you know, I think the the um, the silver lining here is is that that part of the industry makes the general public think that we're unregulated and think that the industry has no real regulations and it's the wild wild west. And I think this ABH indictment shows the exact opposite. No, we are, you know, regulated, you know, 890 some odd companies now have to do recalls. And this, you know, manufacturers probably going to, you know, it basically criminally indicted. So I think this shows that there really is regulation. And um, I think it could potentially be a good thing. As bad as it is, as it seems from the surface, It, like I said, it, it shows that, The FDA is doing their job and you can't just do anything in this, in this industry. You have to follow the letter of the law. Absolutely. But I, and even taking
1: this back home, like this is something that whenever we get shipments from our manufacturer, you're testing out the product itself in house to verify that it is what it is also. So there's like extra steps that these brands can do just to protect themselves. If they're really trying to make good products, then you should see it from beginning to end from the time you formulate something order something get it in house and then test it to make sure you got what you asked for you know there's a whole thing that you can kind of be in charge of
0: yeah no exactly and i think that is an, another difference is you know we require all the uh, laboratory results uh when the shipment gets here when the shipment does arrive in the warehouse it is quarantined we pull a reserve sample of every lot that was um um on that shipment we then take a sample from the reserve sample and do our quality assurance testing on everything that comes into our warehouse. if it passes all of our quality assurance testing, then that batch of product can be released from quarantine and then actually put into the warehouse and sold and distributed. Um, and then that creates a whole kind of batch for that entire um, shipment from the packing list, um, from what we ordered from every uh, QA for each product that all gets filed away on a month-to-month basis. And so we can pull, you know, everything that's ever entered this warehouse and left. And we have, you know, documentation for everything. And we have, you know, reserve samples for everything and um, testing for everything. So, you know, we're obviously trying to stay above board with with how we operate. Whereas I feel like a lot of uh, supplement companies, especially those that are just, um, just kind of getting started, just receive... Their product from the ma- the contract manufacturer and go okay it's time to sell and it just arrives to the warehouse and they start selling it um, but ultimately it's their company's name that's on that label and they're the ones that are responsible for making sure that what um, is on that label is in the product and that they're going about it you know the manufacturer is doing what they should be doing um, you're contracting that job out but you can't contract out the responsibility. It's still the responsibility of the brand to ensure that what is on the labels in the product, so on and so forth. So I think that is kind of a difference, too, that, um, you know, this shows that you really can't just take the word of the contract manufacturer and say, oh, well, you know, it's their job to do the QC. It's their job to make sure I mean, even things as reserve samples. I'm sure there's brands out there that don't even keep their own reserve sample. Because, you know, the contract manufacturer is keeping the sample. So what do I need to, you know, I'm losing two full units. Um, And again, it's just, you know, it shows kind of a lack of responsibility on the brands. And I'm not not saying that at all about these brands uh, that were listed, um, you know, because there are some really good brands on there. And, you know, even like you mentioned, Nutrex, I think two out of three of those batches were actually returned back to the contract manufacturer because they didn't meet their specifications. Mm-hmm. Um, something along those lines. So obviously they were doing what they were supposed to. Um, I'm just talking more in generalities of the entire industry that this really shows that, you know, um, it's the responsibility of each brand owner and, you know, their their team to make sure that they're working with the right people and that they're just not taking, um, you know, the word of the contract manufacturer, but they're actually double checking everything and making sure it is what it, it should be exactly so um cool is there any other um points that you wanted to make about this indictment no i think
1: uh i think we've covered most of it just again just a little shocking but i know we're in good hands so that's what we're focused on
0: yeah and and like i said i think this is actually good for the industry it just shows that we are regulated and um you know uh you know, hopefully we continue as an entire industry to continue to move in the right direction. There's some major um moves, I guess you would call that that the industry has made over the last ten years, you know, going full open label, you know, focusing more on clinical dosages. Um and I think this is just another push in the right direction to help this industry, you know, become even stronger and have more longevity. So on the surface it doesn't seem great, but I think the um the long term effects will be better for the industry as a whole.
1: Yeah, we'll weed out the bad guys. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So um, another thing real quick before we get into the few Q&As or questions that we have is, um, I think this is something that um, I'd like to focus on with our podcast in general, is just these 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 kind of news releases and kind of what's going on in the industry. So, you know, with this one, we, we kind of missed... Um, being like first uh, to get it out there, so to speak, you know, cause this happened in sometime in January and now we're, we're moving into March, but moving forward, you know, our focus will be if something breaking happens in the industry and you want to have some, some of the background perspective, you know, from the people behind a brand um, that's what I'd like to get from this podcast is kind of giving you guys our industry perspective and what we feel um, is the truth behind, you know, any of these news, uh, releases and things like that so we'll do a better job of uh staying up to date and kind of giving you guys that info uh, from the back end Mm -hmm. absolutely but i do uh, the three questions yep i do
1: have a few questions here for you so tyler from washington he was curious why you didn't use citrulline or agmatine in your vasomax
0: formulation um i think the reason the reason that we didn't use citrulline or agmatine is twofold it's it's in pretty much every pre-workout nowadays almost every single pre-workout has you know three to six grams citrulline 500 to a gram of agnatine. um it's just very very common uh pump ingredients um and with vasomax we wanted to do you know we, we wanted it to be different than every other pump formula but we also wanted it to be very stackable with every pump formula so with Vasomax, it stacks perfectly with Hypermax. Um Hypermax already has six grams of citrulline. In my opinion, you know, that's getting close to the ceiling of of you know added benefits for citrulline itself. Like could you take eight, could you take 10? Could you take 12 grams? Sure. Are you really going to get any real added benefit? I don't personally think so. I think six is pretty much the high end. So there's no reason to, you know, kind of double down and add more. So we wanted to go about it a different route. And so we use Five grams of glycer size, which is probably one of the highest doses on the market and glycer size or glycerol isn't in hypermax at all so it allows completely different pathway to increase muscular fullness and the pump uh, by that, having that hyperhydration effect that you don't get in hypermax um, hypermax already has agmatine at a full gram um, again I, I think that's the upper side of, of an agmatine dose so we wanted to use something new and different kind of like the s7 um, VASO six is actually in both, uh, formulas, but VASO six has a, a dose of anywhere from 300 to 600 milligrams. So if you're taking just hypermax by itself, you're getting that, that 300 milligrams. But if you add in that VASO max, you're bumping it all the way up to 600 milligrams, which is kind of like it's max dose. So that's the reason that we allowed VASO to be VASO six to be in both formulas is because hypermax, while it, uh, provides a, like a really solid dose you technically can go to 600 milligrams. So there was a reason to include it in both. Um, but the main reason is just so that there's, there's not a whole lot of overlaps with hypermax, but not just hypermax. Like I said, almost all other pre-workouts out there. Um, we just didn't want it to overlap. We wanted it there to be real synergism between your vaso and whatever pre-workout you choose, not just doubling up on everything that's already in your pre.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Some brands, I think, um, they formulate one product at a time rather than formulating a stack or a brand to f- fit each other's needs. So I uh, I appreciate how you do it, and it makes my job a lot easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing. We want every product to potentiate it, the other product it could stack with. Um, but I mean, more simplistically, if we just wanted to make Vasomax just a pump formula, we could have just done the six grams citrulline, gram agmatine, 300 milligrams phase of six, like exactly what's in Hypemax, and just removed that. the, The caffeine, but that doesn't make them synergistic. They don't, they won't work well together. It's just doubling up on what you're already getting anyway. So, um, Mm -hmm. I like it and I think it just makes it a little bit more of a versatile product.
1: Mm -hmm. So our next
0: question here, which I think a few people have had this question.
1: Um, but the people that know the answer are really excited about this. Michael from Pennsylvania
0: asks, what is Velocitol supposed to do? So Velocetol um, is basically uh, a waxy maize uh, powder with uh, chromium piconolate. And so what that does is that um, basically creates some sort of in, like an insulin response that increases muscle protein synthesis. Um, so what they've shown is when you added two grams of velocitol with, uh, I think it was 20 grams of just whey protein, um, muscle protein synthesis was actually doubled. Um, so, what we wanted to do with uh, IsoA Max is give some something a little bit different about our product. Like, what would make our protein better than the next protein on the market? And Velocitol was that answer to kind of potentiate the effects of that whey protein isolate and make it that much better. And that way, you also don't have to theoretically take as much as you would, um, so it lasts longer as well. So, I guess the, the, the main point is that Velocetol helps increase muscle protein synthesis, making the protein that you're taking uh, even more efficient. Um, so, like I said, 20 grams of whey protein um, should be able to increase muscle protein synthesis as much as 40 grams of just whey uh, once you add, add in that velocitol.
1: Yeah, and I guess yeah, my, uh, my intro where people are excited when they do know about it. That's exactly why I have. I mean, people might, may or may not know, I deal with a lot of the store side of it, but I have store managers that are like, I heard you had Velocitol and I needed to carry this product. So I hope this education kind of translates to the end consumer because they can get excited about it. It is doubling your money or however you want to see it, but it's a really valuable ingredient. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another one that I get asked a lot, uh, Mark from California asked, Is Nootropimax
0: discontinued? Um, So I don't, I won't call it discontinued. It's in a reformulation phase. What we're doing is we're uh, taking it from a capsule and making it into a powder. Um, These nootropics in general uh, seem to be more accepted as a powdered uh, supplement. And a large part of that is likely due to nootropics being very popular or becoming more popular in the gaming community. Um, Instead of pounding down a... um, a monster and getting a sugar buzz and some caffeine and then, you know, crashing a couple hours later, uh, it seems there's a bigger trend of utilizing uh, these nootropic powders that will increase uh, cognition, focus, uh, mental acuity and things like that over uh, a longer period of time. And then also um, some of them like nootropemax, has a cumulative effect to where the longer you take nootrop Max, actually the, the better it becomes and one of those ingredients is Bacopa. Um, so I think we just wanted to transition it from a capsule to a powder to make it more accessible to that community. But as a whole too, most people taking a, a thing like Neutropomax want it for that focus and that dialed in. But they also want that energy. And with energy drinks as a as a whole becoming a lot more popular category, um, making it into a powder just you know kind of puts it up against the rains and the bangs and the other energy drinks on the market, um, with a lot more added benefits than just 300 milligrams caffeine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm super shocked how like the drink community with focus and energies like this have boomed and it does make it more comparable and useful, usable. You know, nobody's really going to use it as a, well you could use it as a pre workout, I guess, but you know, you use it when you work, (laughs) you know, you use it during a lot of these like unique times. So uh, I, I like the fact that it's in a drink. Uh, I, it's something that I will be personally using. I know a couple of brands, uh, very few brands actually have good ones out right now. Um, so it'll be nice to kind of come into that category with a product that'll be strong and usable.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've had nootropics on the market for, like I said, close to four, maybe even close to five years. Mm-hmm. When like, there was almost no nootropics on the market at all. Right. Now it's a very emerging category. Uh, and people are starting to get more interested in, you know, what sort of benefits they could get from it. So, um, I think this transition into a powder one will actually give us more room to uh, play with, meaning that we can use larger doses of ingredients, uh, that you just couldn't use in a capsule because it has to fit in a capsule and we didn't want people taking eight caps. Um, and then two, it just makes it a more enjoyable experience. You know, if, if uh, we can nail the taste like we have on some of our other products, uh, being able to sip on it, control how quickly or how slowly you consume it. Um, and then obviously get all the benefits from the added ingredients. Cause it won't just be the same formula in a powder form. It's going to be an improved formula in a powder form with a really great taste. So I think all around, it's going to be some major improvements. Mm-hmm. Cool. Absolutely. So is that it for today? That was the last question. Yes. Awesome. So I think that's everything that we have for today. Like I said, um, we're going to do our best to be more consistent with these podcasts and then also just cover industry news. I think that's where we could kind of add the most uh, benefit is kind of letting you guys know what's uh, going on behind the scenes when something as big as like this ABH Farm indictment hits the industry. You know, well, what are the brands themselves thinking and, and what are the, is their stance on it? So as more things uh, kind of come out, um, on anything within the supplement industry, we'll be making sure that we're uh, following them on the uh, the podcast.
1: yeah, and people can reach out to us with their ideas too. I know some you know the the consumers demand to know things now and to the point of why we're even doing these, and you're mentioning current events, you know if anybody has a specific thing that they are curious about or wondering about, whether it's current or even maybe dated and you just don't feel like you're filled mm-hmm. in. Yeah, I would definitely encourage giving us an email or whatever, you know, Aaron finds the best way
0: to contact him and we can talk about it. Yeah, send us a direct message. Uh, You can always email us at info at Performax Labs, Um, you know, hit us up on Facebook and then, you know, anybody that has any questions uh, for the Q&A on specific products, formulations, dosages, anything like that, you know, feel free to shoot it over and we will make sure that we answer it on the next upcoming podcast. Awesome. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.